Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here tonight. Uh, I would like to give a warm welcome also to some Chi Alpha. They're out of Cedar Falls. Can we give it up for Chi Alpha tonight? It's an awesome ministry in Cedar Falls, and they're here uh, checking things out and, and hopefully getting to know some of you guys. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed the donuts. How were they? I'm going to have one after service. Double thumbs up right here. I like that out of you. Love that. Uh, I cannot believe that Christmas is right around the corner. I can't believe that Tyler and I are going to have a one-year-old in two weeks. It's absolutely insane. It has flown by. Uh, but like I said in my prayer, I know that this is a crazy season with, you know, Christmas. I know some of you maybe have Christmas with Warburg stuff. And, and a lot is happening with finals. But I just ask of you tonight to please check all of that at the door. Leave it there and just be locked in for the rest of the service. Be attuned to what God wants to speak to you tonight, all right? So this is no, like, pun intended. I truly have felt this message strongly on my heart. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about the holiness of God. And I know that it's the donut night. Um, there, there was no, you know, I wasn't trying to fit that into it. I just truly have had the holiness of God on my heart. So that is what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but like I said, with, you know, Christmas coming up and everything, so Hazel is older than she was last year. You know, she was a week old when it was Christmas last year, our daughter. And now she's going to be one. And so it's been really fun this holiday season to just see different things with how she interacts and, and things like that. And so we have, obviously, a Christmas tree, a couple Christmas trees in our house. And we have this thing that we call Mr. Snowman. And Mr. Snowman is this hallmark stuffed snowman that has a lever. And if you pull the lever on Mr. Snowman, our tree lights up and it erupts into song. And it's this beautiful thing. And Miss Hazel thinks it's like the coolest thing ever. And so every single day she gets to pull the lever on Mr. Snowman. And the lights go off on the tree and the song, you know, goes off. And so it's just it's just so cool to see the, the twinkle in her eye, the sparkle in her eye, and how excited that she gets. And she does really good because, you know, with kids, you don't know, are they going to get into the presents? Are they going to get on the ornaments of the tree or whatever? But she has so much awe and wonder for Mr. Snowman in our tree. She's so much awe and wonder. She just beholds the majesty of the tree. And she knows that she is not to touch that tree. And, and she doesn't because out of the awe and wonder, she knows that she doesn't want to. She just wants to behold that, that majesty of the tree. And it was actually really funny. I was going out of town with uh, Hazel and my mom a couple weeks ago, and we had to turn the tree off so we could leave. And she's never turned the tree off. She's only pulled the lever on Mr. Snowman to turn the tree on. And so we had to, you know, turn it off, and she pulled the lever, and the lights went out. And she threw herself on the floor and just started bawling. She was so, so, so sad and so upset. But I think the thing about us as uh, Christians or as followers of Jesus is I think for us it is very easy for, for us to lose a little bit of that awe and wonder when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to our faith. And we have become a culture that is so desensitized to the holiness of God. 
and we hear the Christmas story, and we go to church, and we have the altar call time, and the salvation time, and we know the, the creation story, and we'd be, we, we, because we're so blessed and spoiled here in America with our exposure and our freedom, we can lose that awe and that wonder of who God is, and we, but we, we can't forget his holiness, and I was listening to a sermon uh, a couple weeks ago by a man named Nathan Finocchio, and this guy was, was preaching at this church, and he said, I think we mostly see God as love. Like, that's what we see God as. We see him as just love. But God is called holy over 400 times in the Bible, even more than that, from Genesis to Revelation. And he is called love twice. But it almost seems like in our culture the, the reverse is true. We talk about how, you know, how God is love and so we almost paint God like he's this desperate boyfriend. That's what, that's what this guy was saying, how, you know, we, we see him as this, this guy that offers this love and this mercy and this forgiveness. And I think this is really true when you guys are in college. I think we, we really do see God as a desperate boyfriend, especially in college, that, you know, God is love. We can do whatever we want. We can sin. We can mess up. We can do stupid stuff. It's okay because God's going to forgive us. He's going to chase after us. He loves us. So we can pick and choose what scripture we apply to our lives. So we'll sit there in a church service or we'll, you know, open up our Bibles every now and then and we'll say, oh, yeah, I like that. Okay, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I, I like that a lot. But then we hear something like, when, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And we're like, ew, no, get it off, get it off, get it off. I don't like that. Just, just the other one, okay? We, we pick and choose what scripture we want to apply in our lives because we have this image of God just being love. And therefore, we forget that he is first holy. And in the Bible, if something is repeated... Okay, over and over again, if something is repeated, you need to pay attention to it. In fact, when Jesus would speak, a lot of the times he would, he would say something before he spoke. And he would say, truly, truly, I say to you. He would say, truly, truly, I say to you. And the Greek word for that is amen. Amen, amen. And normally, you know, we say amen at the end of a prayer. And when we say amen, you may not know this, but it, it pretty much means this is most certainly true. So you're basically agreeing with what was just said. But Jesus had so much authority that he did not even wait for them to say amen. He repeated it beforehand twice. Okay, so if something is repeated, you better pay attention in the word of God. And nowhere else in the Bible do they say an attribute about God three times in a row, like it does in Revelation when it says, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. It does not say love, love, love. It does not say mercy, mercy, mercy. It says holy. So what is holy? What, is, what does that mean? What does holy mean? Holiness means being set apart, being unique, above all things. Okay, you can note that you know, I'm sure many of you know the creation story, Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. And when that happened, there was a separation from God because sin separates us from God because of the fact that God is holy. There's no evil in God's character in the slightest. So God, he's far above, he's far beyond us. And he is the creative force behind the entire universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty 
in such life. And I think a helpful way for us to look at the holiness of God is to look at the sun in our solar system. The sun is unique. It holds so much power. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. So you could say that the sun is holy. And on top of that, the sun is so powerful and good and life-sustaining that it is also dangerous. If you get close to the sun, it will annihilate you, which is similar to God's holiness. Because if you are impure, God's presence is dangerous, but not because it's bad, because it is so good. So the solution to that is that we need to become pure. And that's why in the Old Testament, at the beginning of the Bible, we sometimes read these really weird laws, like Leviticus is like, is this ever going to end? But we, we read all these weird laws of how to be ritually clean or pure. There were a lot of rules uh, about cleansing yourself, um, and, and it was all stuff that had to do with cleansing yourself of, of death. And it's because to be in the presence of God, you have to be pure because he is perfect. But God, knowing how sinful, knowing how impure we were, he had a plan to restore that separation. So he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come to earth to, to fix us. Okay, and when he was here, it's very interesting. When Jesus was here, he would, he would go to those with illnesses, with sicknesses, things that signified death, even dead people, the woman with the issue of blood. And he would touch these impure people. And instead of becoming impure, he makes them pure. And it's insane to look back on all the things in the Old Testament, all these visions, all these prophetic words that all led up to Jesus coming into the world, dying for us so that we could be made pure. Jesus came so that we no longer have the separation from God, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's it's dangerous without being made right, without being washed clean of our sins. We could perish because God is holy. So I was, as I was preparing for this message, I felt really led to study space. So, you know, I mentioned the sun earlier, like the stars, the moon, the sun I mentioned earlier. So I, I honestly, I have spent a lot of hours for this message because I wanted to make sure that I got it right. I'm not a huge science girl, but, uh, I've spent a lot of hours studying for this, and I really feel like God is going to use this, uh, all this knowledge about space tonight. But I think that there's something about space that captures the holiness of God, the magnitude of God, the uniqueness and the glory of God. Because creation itself, it magnifies and reveals the majesty of our creator. And the, the universe obviously has, you know, incredible beauty. That beauty alone would be enough reason to praise God. But not only did he make the universe beautiful, he made it unimaginably huge, large. And so we can't help but see his holiness when we, when we consider all that God created. In Romans 1.20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's invisible qualities can be understood from what he has made. If you just look at what he has created, it reveals who God is. In Revelation 4.11, it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And then in Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
So we're going to look at the sun again. And I think a lot of us in this room understand the importance of the sun, okay? Without it, we would not be alive. But I don't know if we understand how crazy the design of, of the placement of the sun is for us here on earth. If the earth were to move 2% either further away or 2% closer to the sun, we could not have life on this planet. We would either freeze or we would fry. Okay, NASA, they say that we are just the right distance from the sun. God set the, that earth, this earth, in just the right place. So you, if you think that the sun somehow got positioned at the exact amount of length for it to heat our world, yet not uh, annihilate us into a million of pieces, that is insane. Only a holy God could design that. And then there's the moon. The moon orbits the earth and takes about one month from start to finish. This is where we get the idea of a month. And what's crazy is that in scripture, in Genesis 1.14, it literally, it literally says that God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. The moon helps us mark the passage of time. And the moon's gravity pulls at the earth. It regulates our tides. It, it regulates our climate. So you think we randomly just got lucky with something that's just orbiting earth, helping us regulate things like time and the tides and, and light? Only a holy God could design that. And then not only that, but the sun is about 400 times more distant from us than the moon. But remarkably, it is also 400 times larger. I have a couple pictures here. If you go to the next couple ones, on, on our planet Earth, God designed it in a way that the sun and the moon look the exact same size, the same apparent size. Even though the, four, the, the sun is 400 times more further away from us, it's 400 times bigger. But yet he placed it in such a way that from Earth, it looks like the sun and the moon are the exact same size. That is crazy. That, that is not coincidence. Only a holy God could design something like that. And not only did the sun and the moon and the earth all have the perfect placement, but the earth's axis has this, this tilt, this 23.5 degree tilt. And because of that tilt, we have different seasons. If we had no tilt, humanity would suffer, okay? We probably potentially wouldn't make it. And because of the way that the earth spins, the sun rises in the east, it sets in the west, and we have a guide to help us establish directions, okay? Everything has a purpose. Everything has a design. And another thing that's crazy is the fact that there are other planets in our solar system that have this gravitational pull that helps stabilize the earth in its distance from the sun. So it keeps the earth in the spot that it should be, its sweet spot where we can survive. Planets were created by God to keep earth in both a stable and safe orbit. Only a holy God could design that. Things have an order, things have a purpose, things have a design. Therefore, things have a creator. And even after all that, after all of that, we live on one little planet orbiting one star, the sun, in a galaxy of, of billions of stars. And our galaxy, the Milky Way, is just one of billions of galaxies in God's creation. One of billions of galaxies. And some people may look at that and they may, may react to it as, you know, 
a fact of I'm, I'm just really insignificant and I'm really solid. Maybe, maybe, maybe this idea of God is just some idea that we puny humans think up to make ourselves feel better or an idea that, you know, it can't possibly be relevant. They think that uh, if God does exist, he can't possibly care about us while he's governing this whole huge universe. And even in the word of God, David in the Psalms, he asks that question. He's just marveling in awe and wonder at creation. In the Psalm 8, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what are mere mortals that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? But Isaiah 40, 26 says that God knows every single star by name. Do you know how many stars there are? It's, it's crazy. Billions upon billions upon billions. So if God knows each star by name, don't you think that he knows you? The same God who governs the galaxies all across the universe also loves each one of every single one of us to die for us. And I know that this is a season of a lot of insecurity for you guys as college students. I know that you're trying to figure out who you are, you know, your future, your friends, who you want to be with. But once you grasp in your mind how loved and seen you are by the creator of the world, who knows each star by name, you would realize that you don't need to worry about all of these small, little, tiny things. You don't need to worry about your life. You don't need to worry about your worth. You don't need to worry about your significance. So you can get a bigger perspective because you have a bigger God. And I know that God cares for us and I know that he loves us because he has given us a really special role in creation. And that is to do two things. So if you're, if you're wanting to take notes, these are two things that I would write down. These are the rules that God gives us. Number one, to take care of his creation. And number two, to bring glory to the creator. Number one, to take care of his creation. Number two, to bring glory to the creator. We like to obsess over the tiny little details of life. Where am I going to go to college? What am I going to study? What career will I do? Where will I live? Who am I going to be with? How did I do on the test? How did we, um, you know, do in the game, whatever. But all of these things, they, they are important, but they are not your purpose. And we overcomplicate the will of God. We overcomplicate our lives. So I just want to simplify your life tonight. If you are stressed out and you are worried about all of the little tiny things and you forget the magnitude and the majesty of God, I want you to come back to these two questions. Am I taking care of his creation and am I bringing glory to the creator? And you may sit there and think you do not understand Life's way more complicated than that. You don't understand the pressure that I feel. You don't understand my relationship, how complex it is. But I just want to say, I think God has made it a lot simpler for us than we give him credit for. Just ask these two questions. So in your relationship, are you taking care of his creation? If your relationship is unhealthy or toxic, you are not taking care of yourself or the other person. You are harming creation, and you're not bringing glory to God. As you decide on your job or your career choice, are you taking care of his creation and are you bringing glory to the creator? Because I don't know if you know this, it is possible to be successful to those in the world and bring all the glory to yourself and not have it impress God in the slightest. So in your day-to-day decisions, okay, Saturday nights, 
Rockstar Weeks. Are you asking the two questions? If, you, if you're putting things in your body that you shouldn't be, you're not taking care of his creation. I'm going to invite the worship team up. You know, when I think about Hazel as the one who, you know, physically brought her into the world, I don't care what she does as a career in her future. I don't care if she's the varsity starter on the team. I don't care if she's the smartest person in the room. But I will have so much joy if someday I see that Hazel is taking care of creation, of herself, of us, of others, and if she is bringing glory to the creator. All the other stuff is so small. Do you, do you guys think of Jesus Christ as a carpenter? No. That's something that Jesus did. That's not who he was. When you think about Jesus Christ, you think about how he took care of his creation when he was here and how he brought glory to the creator. Your purpose is bigger than some job title or some small thing. And if you do those two things in all areas of your life, I promise you that you are going to be okay and it's going to be enough. And you don't have to stress out about the other smaller things. You can relax because God's plan is bigger than yours and is bigger than you. But the thing that we really get mixed up sometimes when I, where I see a lot of people go wrong, just a, a small tweak, it's a small change from that second question about bringing glory to the creator. And the change is so small that sometimes we don't even realize or recognize the difference. But what I see a lot of people doing is, is they definitely bring glory. But they bring glory to creation and not the creator. And it's nothing new. In the Old Testament, people would be so in awe of what God created instead of the actual creator. They would start to worship things like the sun and the moon and the stars. They started worshiping creation instead of the creator. And most of us, we don't worship the sun, we don't worship the moon, we don't worship the stars, but we worship creation. We worship money. We worship our relationship status. We worship test results. We worship our careers. We worship people's opinions. We worship the result of the game or the test. All of us want to worship something. God put that desire in us to bring glory to something. But a lot of the time, we are not worshiping the right thing. In Romans 1, 21 through 25, it's a lot of scripture, but it just speaks for itself. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave, gave thanks to him. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. Amen. And like I said, this is just a small little tweak from worshiping creation instead of the creator. And it's so subtle that sometimes we can, we can become ignorant 
not even realize that we're doing it. And I would say that it's even heightened more so in this season of college. So we worship unholy things and, and we glorify them and we slowly begin to separate ourselves from God's holiness. And we grow closer ourselves to unholiness because you become what you worship. And in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, it says, As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you're sitting there bored right now, you're not capturing the holiness of God. If you're sitting there bored in any church service, as you, as you open up your Bible, you are not sitting in awe and wonder at the holiness of God, the holy God who created every single star in every single galaxy, who created our galaxy, which is pretty amazing. He is bigger than you. You need to humble yourself. Quit being ignorant to the holiness of God. He's bigger. We're called to live holy lives, to live lives separate from how the world lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been set apart by God. So I'll ask you, do you look like the world? Are you separate from the world? Are you conforming to the unholy things of the world? Are you worshiping creation and not the creator? Because we should be living by God's standards, not the world's. God isn't calling us to be perfect, but to be distinct from the, the world. And too many of us in this room are not distinct. You're not living lives separate from the world. And when Hazel, when my daughter, when she sits there and she, and she looks at our, our tree with all the lights, all of its beauty, all of its awe, she can't help but extend her hand and just marvel at it. She wants to lean in. She wants to get closer. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you should marvel so much at God's holiness that you can't help but lean into that holiness, to reach towards that holiness, to live out that holiness. And I understand that a lot of you in the room maybe are like Romans 1. You may know God, but you don't glorify him. Therefore, you've given yourselves over to sinful desires. I also understand that there are people in this room who are hearing about and experiencing the glory and the holiness of God for the first time and how a savior of the world named Jesus Christ died for them so that you're no longer separate from God. So every time we, we gather together, every time you go to a Sunday morning at Cross Point, we have this moment for you to make a decision. And this decision does not last a moment. It lasts a lifetime. And it's a decision to marvel at the holiness of God and choose Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Someone who died for you so that you could live eternally. So we're going to have that moment. If you would bow your heads and if you would close your eyes. God, this is a simple message that you put on my heart. A very simple message. You are holy. You are holy. You're bigger. You're better. You're the creator of all things. And God, tonight I just...
just pray that you would open hearts to that glory, open hearts to that that awe, that wonder, that holiness. Let these students be in awe of who you are and how big you are and how wonderful you are. And I pray that you would encourage them in this moment to know you in a deeper way. And, and further than that, to truly glorify you. So if that's you in this room and you need this to be your moment where you say, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, or I'm, I have known God in my past, but I have fallen away to sinful desires, to unholy things. But I want to take a different direction with my life tonight. If that's you and you're committing your life to Jesus for the first time or recommitting your life on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and have this moment that'll last a lifetime. One, two, three, raise your hand tonight if that's you. Put those hands down. And we're gonna say this prayer together. Repeat after me, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your holiness. I'm sorry. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Please forgive me. I choose you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I understand that there are some things that you walked in with that are separating you from God and His holiness. And this lie that you tell yourself or this burden that you've been carrying, whatever it is, is keeping you from living out a holy life that glorifies God. So over these next couple songs, I want you to reflect on whatever that thing is. And I want you, want you to talk to God about whatever it is that is keeping you from living the holy life that he wants you to live. Maybe it's a toxic relationship. Maybe it's the lie that you can't possibly be loved for just being you. Maybe it's insecurities about your body. Maybe it's perfectionism. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's the hurt from a parent's divorce. Maybe it's the pain from a loss. Maybe it's your obsession over the future and your plans. And we're, we're doing all this because God is not a desperate boyfriend. He's not satisfied with us taking his love and being forgiven and then continuing to live in sin and unholiness. So whatever it is that's separating you from God and his holiness, I want you to call it by name tonight during these next couple songs and ask him to take it from you, just leave it behind. So let's all stand and let's worship. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.